0: We'll get into it here this evening. Second Timothy chapter three. I'm excited uh, to be preaching again. Uh, I've not had the opportunity here on Wednesdays uh, for some time, uh, as of course Brother Lamar has been preaching, which I've appreciated. I always feel this way when somebody preaches. I always feel like there should be preaching, and then another preacher should get to get up and just add to it. That's every time I hear preaching. I feel like that's. I just wanna. I just wanna get up there and join in. That's what I feel, and so I felt like this. Uh, The whole time Brother Lamar was preaching, and I appreciate that was good, uh, necessary, needful stuff. And so, packed. You had some packed information. And so, here's what we're going to do here with this uh, series that we're in. I'm going to try to do my best to be a little bit more concise, time-sensitive than I have been in the past. Alex is shaking his head. It's not going to happen. I'm going to do my best. I'm not making any promises, uh, but we've had a lot. I know that, of course, Brother Lamar's messages have been packed, and then I had some deeper ones here before that. And so we're going to try to, uh, we're going to try to give it to you and go. And so, I know you don't believe me, but that's okay. I don't believe me, but that doesn't matter. That's okay. <laughs> it's all about trying, you know. It's the effort that counts. Second Timothy chapter three. We'll read the first. Uh, seven verses here. The Bible says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful to be in your house, and thankful. Uh, that we have a time in the middle of the week to come and to worship you and to uh, put away the things of this world and our lives and all that goes on and uh, uh, just focus on you and what uh, uh, you might have for us this evening on the ability to bring things before you in prayer uh, that we can take all our cares to you even this evening. And God, we're so thankful for that. Might you have your hand on this time? Might you be lifted up during this time? might you speak to us. Uh, We love you, we are thankful, and in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Of course, as we get into this, this is going to be more of a uh, topical series, which is not necessarily my favorite thing to do that way, uh, but that's just kind of how the Lord led me uh, here. Uh, There's going to be a number of different passages we go through. Now, with series that have definitive ends, if I'm going through a book or a a portion of Scripture, it's got to end in sight. This really doesn't. And so, knowing how long I go otherwise, I don't know, we may be here for the rest of our lives, I don't know. But we're going to try not to do that, but we're also not going to necessarily speed through it or skip anything, and so we'll just go as the Lord leads. Uh, but here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, of course, uh, if you're familiar with the passage, as Paul is uh, writing to Timothy uh, and kind of trying to instruct him on the things that he, he's going to need to know as, as he pastors, as he leads, uh, as he's a leader in the Christian community there. Uh, he tells him about the perilous times of Christianity that are to come. That there's going to be perilous times for the churches of Jesus Christ. And he gives this list of things. And I don't know about you, but as you read this list, you go, I don't think that's coming. I think that's here. That's now. Uh, All of those things are things we go, yep, that's it, right there. Uh, We're in those days. Uh, We read about the uh, disobedient children, liars, perversions, uh, false accuse, all of that. And we see that in our world. uh, But what he's actually talking about is that we see it among believers, in churches. And that's the truth. And what we're actually going to look at here specifically is that Paul, in this particular portion of Scripture, puts a theme to that list. Uh, this list isn't comprehensive of all the things that our believers are going to get off on. There's other passages that deal with, uh, uh, as believers would fall away from God and, and go after other things that have different items in their list. In this particular passage, uh, maybe even a little different uh, than what he gives in 1 Timothy, as he gives this similar thing. Paul gives 18 identifying markers of perilous Christianity. But if you'll notice, 13 of those are about pride and selfishness. I don't know if you caught that as we read through those. But 13 of the 18 were directly about our pride and our selfishness. He opens with, "...men shall be lovers of their own selves." And talks about how they'll be lustful and proud and uninhibited, addicted to pleasure. It begins with lovers of self and ends with lovers of pleasure in this list. Do you see that there in that portion of Scripture? And he brings out here, specifically here, that there's going to, he says there's going to come a time, and I would say there is a time now, that there's going to be a, systemic problem in so many of the people in society, but especially, as he puts it, in churches, in believers that are going to be consumed with selfishness. That's what he talks about here. In our nation, and our world, and oftentimes, unfortunately, our churches in today's age are consumed with selfishness. We think about our society, and it uh, it wasn't that long ago that one of bill clinton 's platforms was it's the economy, stupid, you remember that? Some of you i don 't know whatever <laughs> because his advisors understood that what Americans cared about first and foremost was themselves and their wallets. I mean that was j- that's and that's been the case since uh, that's the idea here today our society is. Uh, Is not more advanced than that. Our society is fighting, uh, sometimes politically on both sides of it, to get and to keep as much as they can. Others, as we go through, want validation about their self identification, about whatever they are. They want the government to provide more. Uh, Even today, if you look at the difference between people that think about careers and jobs, where once people just wanted to be able to go to work, now, today, young people, especially my age and younger, they want jobs that fulfill their needs, fulfill their dreams. Can you imagine that? You're trying to make a hamburger. you just got a hamburger store. You're trying to just serve people hamburgers. And somebody comes in and goes, how is this job going to fulfill my dreams? And you go, do you dream about hamburgers? I don't. <laughs> but that's our society today. That's the way that we think. Our whole culture is about the me uh, from, from the time that we're very young. And no doubt, it's absolutely true that this concept, this uh, uh, philosophy has infiltrated Christianity just as Paul stated it would. And so that's what this series is essentially going to be about. This is where we're starting, but I've titled it, Forget You. You like that? (laughs) Maybe to add to that, how to find life by losing it. And there's some truths in the Scripture that are informational. I don't know if you've noticed this. There's some things you get and you learn, and you've got it. It's a piece of information that you now know. There's other things that are in Scripture that the more that you read about them, the deeper they get, that you can't seem to ever get to the end of them. That the more that you look at them, the more that you get into the scriptures and and look at these concepts, it seems like there's more and more and more there. And it hits you on a deeper level every time you pray about it, every time you get to it. And for me, this has been one of those things. And in my opinion, there's no sin more prevalent and also more ignored in our modern churches than that of selfishness, pride, and covetousness. Of loving self. We're enamored with us. We love it. I mean, it's a, it, only recently we have a whole thing where we used to take pictures of things. Now we just take pictures of ourselves. If you open up anybody's phone, there's no, there's no pictures of you. There's just pictures of you. 300 of them in a row to get the right one. And then we put filters on them and bunny ears or something. I don't, you know. We post them so that others can see us. I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. But that's our, that's our idea. That's what we love. We're enamored with me. Because being selfish is natural. We're born that way. I just had a fourth child. So this is not new to me. But the idea, just having a child is just an amazing thing. But you're also amazed with the idea that they, just, they don't seem very concerned about you. I don't know if you notice this about babies. But they're not even polite about waking you up at night. They don't say, excuse me, I have to eat. They just cry. They don't, they don't care that it's 3 a.m. <laughs> they don't care that you need... There's nothing is hitting them that way. You feed them, they go back to sleep. And, and, and at no point do they go, you know what, I probably should have pooped before so that you don't have to get it. But I don't... They don't think that. They don't care. They go when they feel like <laughs> just the way that they are. And we don't just that's that's how we're born and we don't just naturally grow out of that. If you have children, if you've been around children, you know that every parent diligently endeavors to train out selfishness. And it almost feels futile. I mean, it's just the natural idea of children. Some of their first words are often mine. Everything is mine. Right? You have two kids and they're playing with toys. Neither of them wants to play with it. They just want the other one not to. It's just their mindset. Even from the time that my kids were young, I often tried to teach them, no, 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 nothing is yours. You don't own anything. You have yet to contribute any marketable skill to society. (laughs) You own nothing. And I think that's important to teach them because I want to remember that I own nothing. I own what they have, but he owns everything I have. And I want them to know that. But because our mindset is so often just the the default state of man is selfishness. Mine, me, I'm important, my dreams, my happiness, what I need, what I want. And as Paul gives this list here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he's giving a natural default state of man. It is natural. To love yourself, to be covetous, or to want, to be greedy, to d- desire other things, to be proud, to be disobedient, to be without self-control, to love pleasure. You don't have to be taught to love pleasure. Did you know that? When you first tasted coffee, oh, pleasure, pleasure. <laughs> right? You don't, you don't got to be taught that. When you give a kid candy, they don't go, ugh, what? Right? No, they love it. They love pleasure. We, lo- we love it. It's not something we have to be taught. It's natural. Ephesians 5, 28 even talks about this a little bit when he says, So ought men also to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. And to say this, he says this, for, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, he says. He says, no, they nourish it. They cherish it. You cherish your own flesh. I mean that's that's the whole concept. When you're hungry, you eat. How many of you are hungry tonight? Anybody? Yeah. How many of you have thought about food since we've started church here today? Don't lie. I know you have. I have. There's a whole part of my brain that's just relegated only to food thoughts. That's all that goes on in that portion of my brain. And that's just uh, that's how we are. We we just we love our own flesh. When we're hungry, we we want food. We don't, and we don't think about the thing we hate most, right? Nobody's hungry tonight and going, ah, oh, turnips. Mm. <laughs> I love turnips. Maybe like an old avocado. When it's a little bit mushy, brown. Oh, that's what I'm... Some balut. Who wants some balut tonight? That's not what you're thinking about. You're thinking of the most pleasurable food you can imagine, right? That's the way we are, because we love our own flesh, when you're, when you're tired, you dream of your bed. Nobody's alarms go off after four, four hours of sleep, and they go, wonderful. This is great. I hated how much I was enjoying sleeping, and I'd like to really not enjoy being awake. It's my favorite. Right? Nobody does that. We love it. We cherish ourselves. You don't need to be taught to love you. Now, our world says you do. Our world says you need to learn to love yourself before you can love anyone else. Trust me. And we're going to show this through the Word of God throughout the coming weeks. Uh, But you have got loving you down, okay? You do not need help there. You do not need somebody to take you by the hand and show you how to love yourself. You're good at it, okay? If we go through your phone and we check your selfies, I promise you, we'll figure out. You know how to love you. We got that part. But there's even Christians that teach... They'll go to passages of scripture where Jesus says to love thy neighbor as thyself. And, they'll, and what they'll get from that is that Jesus is really saying, in order to love your neighbor, you have to first learn to love yourself. And so let's focus on loving us. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's how selfish we have become often as believers. Is that we twist scriptures that are about focusing on others and we go, well, look at that, they're really about me. That's how much we want it to be about me. And selfishness is natural. It's the natural state of man. But what Paul would say here, and I would believe what happens so often in our world uh, and in our modern culture, is that selfishness can consume and destroy churches. He says that's what's going to happen so often to believers they're gonna, there's perilous times are going to come, and those that were once healthy and, and good and, and faithful Christians and churches are going to succumb to this philosophy of selfishness. And you go through so many churches, and I hope you know that my uh, uh, heart is not to insult anyone or to make fun of anybody or to cast anybody uh, uh, under a bus, but you go to some churches and worship leaders act like they're auditioning for The Voice. You go, who is this about? And, and once again, I don't want to insult anybody or make fun of anybody, but when you see the 45, 50-year-old pastor dressing like he's 15, and you're going, do you not know? It seems like he read a book on, on modern slang before he got up, and he's trying to fit them all into the service. You know, you've, and you've seen it, right? The churches that are going to do everything they can to build their kingdom, and they've got the 78 satellite campuses, so that we can say, boom, look at us. We're magnificent. And we do the same thing so often. We have a tendency to uh, hoard our people or uh, to build our kingdom uh, as we ought to be starting other churches. And, and man, w- how exciting it is to be seeing churches started in not only Sammamish, but Bellevue and downtown Seattle. And, uh, but w- our philosophy so often is let's build this. Let's, let's build our kingdom. And so often you can even see, unfortunately, sometimes even Baptist preachers that get caught up trying to build up their own persona and their own ministry. And I don't even want to tonight go into those that have used the title man of God to lord over others to commit horrible sins against them. But it happens. Today, modern churches are are becoming so me-focused you look at what's taken place for the cause of the gospel, and less people are going into ministry, and more people are quitting it than ever before. Why? Because it doesn't fulfill all my desires. Objectively, it's not really a good career path. I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but it's just reality. Man, there are churches closing, less missionaries out there, more people are quitting while the population grows. And that's our philosophy. Why? Because if it's about me, then I'm, I'm going to do what's in my best interest. What's for me. You think of how the average attender to church looks around at church and they, they shop around, right as if they're buying a television or a used car, right? They call to see what is the music like, uh, Who's got the best children's programs? Who has the most interesting and charismatic speaker? Who's going to preach about the things that are going on in my life? And so often, that's how we come to church. We come as if we're consuming. What have you got for me? How are you going to bless me today? Even looked. I looked at the, the top best-selling Christian books. I'm going to read you some of the titles and see if you see a theme. Girl, stop apologizing. All right, I don't know what that's about, but... <laughs> Exceptional You. Have You heard of that one? The Road Back to You. I've even referenced this book. The Total Money Makeover. That got quiet. Nobody liked that one. All right. <laughs> What's the th- I'm not saying all these books are bad. They're not all sinful. I, I've, I've not read all of them. I've read some of them. Uh, but the idea is what? That they're about you. How to help you. How to make your life better. So often we come to church and we're we're looking to consume something, and we leave church as soon as we're not being fed. We're going to talk more about that later, but kind of a silly phrase from that perspective. We leave church when we go, This church doesn't seem to really want to minister to my family. We have those kinds of phrases. We'll come to church. You know, worship service was a little dull and a little long. So I'm going to go to the church down the street. It's like going to an Arby's. That's just, just our philosophy. So often, where our focus is on ourselves, on us, we're consumers, we're selfish, and, and we want, and we're lovers of us, and we're lovers of pleasure, and we want what we want. And we're going to get more into this, but the, what's so sad about that is that focus on us always ends up in misery. Nobody's ever happy. Nobody's ever focused on themselves and is joyful about it. Nobody's ever left a church, because 15 churches, because they go, I didn't like that one, and that preacher was a little dull, uh, and that worship guy, has, his pants were too tight, and we just... I'm just kidding. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> Mine are getting there, too, actually. Uh, but... <laughs> Nobody's ever done that and is just, uh, man, what a beautiful, happy countenance they have and they're just enjoying life. No, they're always miserable. You don't get peace and joy and happiness from selfishness. You never do. And man, our lives are so often consumed with selfishness and we love ourselves and we come to church and we go, man, the service was boring and uh, the preacher was dull and I don't know if I was really getting fed. And we say all these things and then we unironically read uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and we don't even notice that anything's wrong. We come to church with the whole focus being me. And then we read, man, the last days is going to be perilous. People are going to be lovers of their own selves. We turn the page and we go, man, d- people are going to come to church and they're only going to want a ha- heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Man, that preacher was dull. We should go to a different church. And we, don't, we can't even see the connection because we're so me-focused. How can we go to church week after week and be nothing more than a recipient and not think something is wrong? Selfishness. Is the natural state of man. Paul says this is the state that things will be in, but it's also because it's the natural state of mankind. And he says this is going to be another one of their markers. They have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Can I just say this is kind of an introductory to this uh, series. Without the power of God at work in your life, you will always be selfished. That's all you have. If God's power is not at work in your life, you will default to me. That's just the way that we are. That's that's the kind of people that we are. The second I stray in my walk with God and stop living in awe of who He is is the second I start becoming consumed with me. The second it stops being about Him is the second I start going, Man, why does... I'm crying about, nobody ministers to me, and where's my recognition, or why do I have to do this, or what's going on here? That's that. As soon as I'm not consumed with him, I'm consumed with me. And living a selfless life, becoming selfless, doesn't come naturally. I want you to understand that it comes supernaturally. We should, in other words, experience God's love and His Spirit in such a real way that it actually changes us and causes our focus to leave us and fixate on Him. That ought to be what happens. As we come, what takes place here says they they don't understand the power of God and thus it is so apparent in all that they do that their focus is me. And we could extrapolate that by saying, when you, don't, when you finally get an understanding of who he is and his powers at work in your life, and you see him high and lifted up, all of a sudden the mirror doesn't look as interesting. You don't have to turn there, but Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, this is what's taking place in heaven as we see in, in Revelation. Uh, John the Revelator gives us a picture of what's taking place as he describes so many of the things that go on. And in verse 8 of chapter 4, he says, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within. I mean, just a, a beasts that we can't comprehend, uh, these angelic beings. It says, And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty which was and is and is to come. I mean, John says, I I see in heaven there's these magnificent angelic creatures that are almost impossible to describe with words. And all that they do day in and day out is say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. These beings that were so amazing that he couldn't describe them, were so amazed by God that their existence began and ended with just claiming holy, holy, holy. It says this, And when these beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, it says this, The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him. That liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And we read this, and we get so consumed and so caught up with the us that we forget who this is all about in our complaining and living for ourselves to trying to establish our best lives and the best you and build up our bank accounts and 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 fulfill ourselves we forget that in heaven there's no mirrors you with me can i i, I don't want to bust anybody's bubble here but there's no instagram in heaven it's not going to be there nobody in heaven is going to be looking at you they're not going to care I mean, we're so often consumed, I mean, even in our modern culture, and uh, it seems like uh, fitness and image and and, uh, fitness Instagrams are such a big thing. Can I just tell you, in heaven, nobody cares. Nobody's looking at you in heaven. It's not going to matter then. Nobody's going to be consumed or in awe of you. Nobody will care what you had in life. Nobody's going to care how special you thought you were. Nobody will be impressed, even with your voice, your Instagram, your fitness. Can I tell you what? Nobody in heaven is going to be talking about Chip Chitnil's sermons. You with me? Nobody's going to care. If I think I'm so amazing and so special, man, I'm missing what this is all about. Because then nobody's talking about this as they stare in the face of the one where angelic beings are in awe of him. They're not looking at me. Care? We're going to be so enamored and amazed at His holiness and His glory that we're not going to care about the me anymore. And God says, listen, look at this. God says this is how it's supposed to be in church. Ephesians 3.21, it says, Unto Him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. He says, that glory that I have in heaven, that you're going to be in awe of it, amazed by then, I like want you to be in awe of it now. As you gather here, I want you to be amazed by that now. Colossians 1.18, it says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And he says this, that in all things he might have the preeminence. He like, wants to be important to us. He wants the glory. He wants to be on the throne. He wants to be lifted up. God really thinks that the church is about His Son. Isn't that amazing? And we know this. This is not new information for us. Yet so often we live like churches about me. God comes and He dies that we might be saved. He declares the gospel to us That God became man for the sole purpose that he might be able to live a life of, of nothingness to go to a cross to die for your and my sins. That while we were yet sinners, while we knew nothing of him, thought nothing of him, were scorners and wicked, he would die for you and I. That we might just be able to call out to him for salvation and have a home in heaven. And he starts his church That's built upon the foundation that Jesus Christ is the Messiah that would come and die for us. That's the foundation of it all. And he starts it that that might be the place that his people that have have called out to him, that have identified with him, proclaim and share that truth. And we would say, that's supposed to be about me? How crazy is that when you think about it? That we would come and we go, that song is a little boring. Who can, it's not about you. It's not for you. We go, I don't know if I really like that passage that the preacher read. What? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. We ought to be enamored with him. He came to earth and he made it all about you. And he kind of expects you to make it now all about him. You with me? And Paul says this, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. He gives this word perilous. This idea of scary, of dangerous, of frightening. And he says this, here's what's frightening. That there's going to come a day where churches are going to be all about you. He says, isn't that frightening? (laughs) Now today, for us, so often, man, that's the church we're looking for. To Paul, he says, that's disturbing. That's scary. It ought to frighten us that we are able to receive the free gift of salvation, which he has purchased by his death and his blood, by the perfect son of God, and then turn and live entirely for ourselves. That should be a scary thought to us, that I can do that. Can I, just be, can I just be honest? I can. I'm pretty good at it. What a scary thought. He says this, it ought, it ought to chill us to our bones how we can make church so much about us. How we can go through our daily lives without a thought of him. And then be undisturbed when we gather around a passage like this one. Can I tell you what it ought to be? It ought to be uncomfortable that in American church we would read, This know also that in the last days perilous, shall, uh, perilous days shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, that, that, that we, we would be high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. In churches today, people should go, Oh, no. That's, that's not good <laughs> for me. Man, it ought to be frightening to us That that's the case and we read it and go, another passage. It ought to be scary, in other words, to us that the same people, you and I, that will be enthralled by His majesty for an eternity in heaven can't get our eyes off of us for five minutes now. That we pray for 30 seconds and we go, man, that was long. And then we scroll our Instagram of pictures we took and have already looked at for two hours. And then we go, yeah, I love God, man. He's supreme to me. The Bible says, man, they're going to be lovers of their own selves. Man, yeah, those wicked, whoever those people are, they're in trouble. As we scroll 4,000 pictures of ourselves. Now listen, I can only speak for me. I can't speak for you. But can I say this here just in the presence of everybody here? I'm embarrassed about how selfish I am so often. It's embarrassing. That God would die for me, that every piece of my life, everything good that I have today, I can point back to His grace in my life. And then I will drive, listen, I will drive from a house with a loving, wonderful wife and four healthy kids that He's blessed me with to a church that has decided to put me on staff for who knows why has allowed me to preach and I'll drive there and I'll be annoyed that it takes me five minutes longer in traffic. What is wrong with me? I'll come to church and there'll be no coffee and I'll go, (laughs) Why do I even get up? Why do I get up in the morning? No point, I should quit the ministry. This is pointless. What's going on? I'll come to church and I'll go, I'll nitpick the song. I'll go, man, why is that speaker loud? This is a little ring, don't you think? That service seemed long. Did it feel long? I don't know that it was. It just felt that way. Oh, What am I doing? This is about him. He's the one that died for you and me. And he says, why don't you gather as a community of believers that are called out and baptized and united together that you might come and worship me and praise me and lift me up That all men might be drawn to me. And we come and go, well, what's in it for me? You already got your part. You got like eternal life. I don't know what, what are you, what better deal are you looking for? In other words, forget you. Forget me. Let's look at him. Let's let's see what happens when we lift up the name of Jesus and start living selflessly. As we look around and we see the sorry state of our culture and our society and so much selfishness and hate and and just wickedness abounding, and we see churches declining and people leaving the field and missionaries declining, and we come and we go, man, it should all be about me. Let's see what happens when we make it all about him. Let's maybe see how that changes. Let's see how maybe when we make it all about him, he like starts to do something. Forget you. Forget me. Let's not be lovers of self. Let's not be lovers of pleasure. Let's be lovers of him. Let's let's let him have the preeminence here. Let's let him get the glory here. Let's let we gather, we go, man, I know this is for Him, and I'm excited that it's for Him. I'm excited to give Him glory today. Let's make it about Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful, God, that you died on a cross for me.